And now, The Mentors Radio, one of the most popular and unique shows on the air today. Here each week, remarkable CEOs and leaders, including hosts Tom Laurie and Dan Hesse, and their guests will mentor you, challenging your thinking about life and work. Sought after for their ethical leadership and advice, and for helping others succeed throughout their careers, now these same CEOs, the mentors, want to help you achieve your highest level of profitability, success, and personal fulfillment in life, at work, and in business. Learn more and check out the show notes at TheMentorsRadio.com. That's TheMentorsRadio.com. And now, here's your mentor. Welcome. I'm Dan Hesse, and I'll be your host today. Thanks for joining us. The introduction of today's guest mentor is easy because he needs no introduction, winning two Super Bowls as the head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs. His Chiefs have won seven consecutive AFC West titles and hosted five consecutive AFC Championship games. He's considered an offensive mastermind, seems to be well-liked by everyone, and 11 NFL head coaches were mentored by Andy as branches on his famous coaching tree. Welcome, Andy. I'm glad to be here, Dan. Thank you for having me. Well, I appreciate you taking the time, especially as you're getting ready for the draft. Um, One of the best on-air compliments I ever received was when CNBC's Jim Cramer, a huge Eagles and Andy Reid fan, compared me to you. Um, I uh, I really like your commu- uh, your humility and loved your reply when you were asked after the Super Bowl if you plan to come back for another season as Chiefs head coach, and you replied, if they'll have me. Um, so uh, you grew up in L.A. Uh, you worked as a vendor at nearby Dodger Stadium. You also worked for a catering company. Is it true that you refused John Wayne extra meatballs? Uh, I did. I worked for the Nicola Twins uh, catering company when I was a young kid, and I really it really wasn't work because we uh, I was I was a pup at that time, and uh, but I had a chance to do the different shows in in L.A. and and listen, I'm giving Will Chamberlain and Jerry West, I'm, I'm giving those guys many meatballs as they want. I wasn't sure at that time who John Wayne was or what he. I didn't realize he was an athlete. First of all, a great athlete at one time. Uh, so he only got the three required meatballs that I was supposed to give every everybody that came through. But listen, if you were an athlete, I was sneaking you a few more. <laughs> well, he went to USC, so I would not have given him extra meatballs either. Uh-huh. Um, so, so you ended up at Brigham Young where you played for Lavelle Edwards. And I think you were a teammate of Jim McMahon who... I quite frankly have a hard time imagining it as a BYU student, but that's uh, that's another subject. But you studied journalism. How did you get into coaching? Yeah, so I I majored in I ended up majoring in physical education. Uh, started off in the business world and sciences, mm-hmm. um, and I, that would give me a, a diff- couple different directions I could go. Whether it was into medicine or whether uh, whether it was in the business world, I kind of kept the, the doors open for each, um, ended up in physical education and, and, uh, loved every minute of that. I, it, it was a great transition. I happened to write for the, the paper in, in Provo, Utah, the daily Herald. And I wrote a few articles for, uh, the BYU sports magazine that they had. Um, I had an English background, so I, I that was my minor and, so I was able to kind of bank on that and 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 gave me good good practice, as you'd say, writing these these articles. And Dick Harmon allowed me to do that 
um, he was one of the writers with the with the Daily Herald. So it, it was a great experience. Um, I was a big Jim Murray fan growing up uh, in Los Angeles. He wrote for the LA Times for a number of years, and so I I kind of did characters of written characters of uh, of players, which was it was fun. Well, you know, um, uh, each of the guests I've had so far, Andy, you know, have reached the top of their professions and they talked about kind of getting their hands dirty, really learning the nuts and bolts of their businesses and that being really critical to their eventual success. It seems uh, like being a lineman, you know, it's, it's called being in the trenches. It would be kind of the football equivalent. What um, did you learn as an offensive lineman that helped you as a head coach? Yeah, Dan, I, look, first of all, I was, I was lucky to have great high school coaches, youth coaches, and then college, junior college coaches. I mean, I, all the way up through, I had these uh, phenomenal examples um, of, of, of teachers. And so, um, you know, when I had an opportunity, uh, my, my head coach asked me if I ever wanted to uh, this is Lavelle Edwards, now Hall of Fame head head, head coach, uh, and was the head coach at BYU forever. He he asked me my junior year, "Do you ever thought about going into coaching?" I said, "No, I, I'd never. I, I didn't dream of that. That wasn't something that I. Uh, but I, I'd look at it. So he invited me to stay on after I got done playing, and uh, I loved every minute of that. So I, I would tell you that." That's probably my biggest influence. Uh, I've been able to share that with some other people along the way, and um, I've loved the opportunity of doing this. I'm not sure I answered your question, but I wanted to give that background there for sure, Dad. <laughs> yeah, um, but uh, you know, I guess as an O lineman, uh, yeah. is that is 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 it common for head coaches to come from the offensive line, or does do they usually yeah. come from any one position, or they come from all over? Well, I joke. I tell you, just the good ones, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm partial to that. I'm partial to that position. It's a, it's a not, it's not a glory position, and it's one that you've got to work very hard at. It doesn't come natural. You're in a three point stance the majority of the time, and you're doing things that just aren't normal things. Uh, you're you're asked to take care of this little three by three box, and uh, you've got to master that thing. You have to master all the angles. You're normally going against somebody that's a better athlete than you. And and so you've got to have patience to go along with that, but enough intensity to to work through it. And I think those are all transferable things into life. So it's not a common thing. It wasn't a common thing when I was at the Green Bay Packers and my, I was the assistant offensive line coach, tight ends coach, and Mike Holmgren names me the quarterback coach. That wasn't a normal thing. It wasn't a normal thing to go – from being the quarterback coach to a head coach, I kind of skipped that coordinator thing. So that wasn't normal. So this whole, this whole uh, track that I've had moving up the, you know, coaching ladder probably hasn't been uh, normal, um, but it's been a fun ride. So you mentioned being a quarterback coach, you know, you've played such a key role in the development of, of so many great quarterbacks, you know, Brett Favre, Donovan McNabb, Michael Vick, Alex Smith, Patrick Holmes, and you're often seen kind of sitting on the bench with Mahomes during the game. You know, how do you develop this great relationship with quarterbacks? Well, I think it's got to be a mutual relationship. I think, it, listen, we're in the people business. Uh, no matter how you cut this, it's the people business. And and so you've got to have, there's got to be an open relationship, communication, a respect that goes on 
between two people uh, in that case that we're talking about with the quarterback. These guys are under a tremendous amount of pressure. They're young guys, and they're being paid a lot of money to do uh, their job, being the face of the organization and being uh, somebody that is directly responsible for your your production and, and win loss record as a as a uh, organization. So I, I think it's just it's that important that you you stay you stay in tune with them. And I've been lucky by that by the guys she just mentioned, Dan. I've been so lucky to be around great guys and that have accepted this offensive lineman into their lives to to help them uh, to help just give them something to make them even greater than they already are. Well, they call you the quarterback whisperer. We'll be back in a few minutes with our guest mentor, Super Bowl champion head coach, Andy Reid. Go to our website, thementorsradio.com, and click on list of shows to listen to past guests. This is Dan Hesse, and you are listening to The Mentors Radio Show. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. This is Dan Hesse, and I'm with coaching icon Andy Reid. Remember, you can also listen to this show or, or any previous show via podcast on Apple, TuneIn, Spotify, Google, and more on any device at any time. Subscribe at thementorsradio.com. So, Andy, you're getting ready for the draft. And in the 2016 draft, the Chiefs did something kind of unchiefs-like. They traded up to go all in on a young quarterback with the 10th overall pick. Patrick Mahomes, what did you see uh, in him? You know, did you see the eventual greatness that he's uh, he's achieved, and and what did you see behind or beyond his physical talent? Yeah, it's kind of a funny story because there was a lot to it before we got to the draft. Um, <clears throat> Brett Veach was a scout at that time, who's now our general manager, and and Brett from the day this kid played and started in college was on to Pat Mahomes and said, you've got to see this kid. He's the, he's the best quarterback I've ever seen. And coming from Brett, that was quite a compliment. He had done some of the real hot spots in college football as a scout. And, and with that, for John Dorsey and myself, John Dorsey was the general manager at that time. Um, but Brett would put a tape on our desk and, and say, hey, you've got to look at, at this kid. He's, he's incredible. So we had every week we had, during the season for a couple of years there, we had uh, tapes of, of Pat Mahomes. And this is without even meeting the kid. And and so he caught Doris in my eyes. And Doris, you got to remember, also was there with Brett Favre at, at, uh, at Green Bay. We were together at Green Bay, John Doris and myself. So um, here we are looking at this kid and we're seeing some similarities just by the way he played. And um again this is without knowing him so then it comes time before the draft where we can have a chance to meet him whether it's at the combine or bring him into our facility here and we end up spending about eight hours with him locked in a room um uh, we go you know what this is the kid we really want and and uh listen brett was instrumental in pushing us uh, along this road that uh of getting of getting pat uh, but inevitably, Doris was the one who worked his way up through the draft, uh, maneuvering uh, the trades to to get ourselves up there in a position uh, where we could where we could get Pat. But I, I would tell you, all three of us 
just uh, really believed in him. We also had a chance to show Clark Hunt the the videos of him, and and Clark fell in love with him too. So it, it worked out. It worked out well. And you know, our president here is an ex quarterback, so uh, <laughs> Mark Donovan. So he's he's got an eye for it too. So we were we were all sitting here going, man, I, I hope we get this guy because we got the whole organization vested in this thing. Uh, uh, you know, that he's going to be a, be a chief and it worked out for us. Yeah, I'd, I'd say so. This is Dan Hesse. You are listening to the mentors radio show and we are with Andy Reed discussing developing talent. So I've seen Andy in, in business, uh, you know, people, especially, you know, young managers thrust into leadership roles before they've really had an opportunity to learn the business fundamentals. So they never really reach their full potential. Be, and the employees sometimes think of them as, as empty suits because they didn't really learn the business before they were given command. So there's a downside to moving people along too quickly. You know, you have drafted two highly touted kind of early first rounders, McNabb and Mahomes. In McNabb's case, you know, you had him, you know, sit out, you know, the first part of the season, the first half of the season uh, and play behind now Jacksonville coach Doug Peterson and, and Patrick, you didn't start until his second year so he could learn from uh, from Alex Smith, you know, how do you decide um, when to start a promising young talent? Yeah, so I saw Don Mikowski do this, Dan, for uh, for Brett Favre, and Don stepped in and and uh, had been a, a hero in 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 Green Bay for a couple years there, and uh, we bring Ron Wolf brings Brett uh, or brings uh, Brett Favre in and. Um, and, and so, uh, I got to see Brett develop over a few games there before Don got hurt and he had to step in and play. I just thought that was, I thought that was a good thing. I, again, I'm probably looking at it from an offensive lineman standpoint, but that opportunity to learn all of these crazy blitzes, or at least get a feel for them that they throw at these young quarterbacks in the NFL, um, it, it just bought them some time to work on those things. About time for them to show off their their skill set to to the rest of the offense and really to the defense working the scout team. I think that's valuable time. Now, is it right for everybody? Has has every quarterback that's come up through gone that route? No, they haven't. But it, it's worked. I've seen it work, and so I you know obviously believe in it, and it worked out well for Donovan, uh, and it worked out well. Uh, again for Patrick, but there have been other quarterbacks, like I said, that have jumped right in and, and done it. And I'm not saying those guys couldn't have done that. It mm-hmm. just uh, it gave them a little bit of a cushion to get adapted to to the National Football League. And you're talking about there are 32 teams in the whole world, Dan. And so this uh, uh, the the talent is the best in the world at this sport. And uh, just to give them that little extra. Uh, time there to to figure that part out, I think is uh, was important for them. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So Andy, and you know, kind of switching back to business, you know, there's no element that's more important to a company's success than than culture. You know, business is really a team sport. Uh, and so really, um, you know chemistry uh, is 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 paramount. Culture is paramount. Um, the number one reason I've had to let people go over the years, is and and some of these are the most talented brightest people i have is they just aren't the right fit for for the rest of the team you know how do you 
build a culture and get the right chemistry in the locker room and on the field? Yeah, so I, I think change is okay. I, I believe that. And um, I think it's good for <clears throat> sometimes both parties. I felt that way when I was in Philadelphia after 14 years, uh, Jeffrey Lurie and I sat down and and uh, we talked. And part of the conversation was change is going to be good for both of us. It's It's going to allow me to get a fresh start somewhere and it's going to allow him to get a fresh start with the, with the Eagles. And it, it worked out for the both of us. So I, I've done that uh, more on the offensive side, maybe than the defensive side, but I thought that um, uh, I like to keep it a revolving door, stay a couple of years in that coordinator position and go become a head coach. Give yourself an opportunity. If you can't do that, maybe getting away from Andy and going like Eric Bienemy did and going, to the, to the Washington Commanders, maybe that's maybe that's another avenue to to take, and where you can put your name on it. You deserve that opportunity. So I, I've done it with Bob Sutton, who I have the utmost respect for. He's my defense coordinator here. It, it, things weren't working out, whether it was a transition of the players in which we brought in, whatever the situation is. I thought change would be great for him. He's still coaching in the National Football League as are his assistants. So um, it, it, change can be good. Every situation doesn't fit or you can you need to move on it's just too much time in one spot and and uh and and in that case i think it can also be good and uh do you use the same lens with players as you do with kind of your assistant coaches in terms of cultural I, fit and... i i do yes i've got to see exactly when you're saying build a culture i mean you're building a culture normally through hard work honesty Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and when I say hard work, it, that doesn't necessarily mean the length of the hours, but whatever, it, it, nothing comes easy. That's, it's great. Um, so you've got to spend a little bit of time at it and work your way through it. And, and that's where the bottom, the base culture comes from. If you start detracting from that and start maybe taking shortcuts or whatever, uh, that's another opportunity to move on somewhere. If you're not willing to, uh, do what you need to do to, um, uh, as they say, to pay the fiddler to get the music, right? So you, you've got to <laughs> make sure that you get all those things done and do it in a smart fashion. Well, we'll be back in a few minutes with our guest mentor, Super Bowl champion, Andy Reid. Remember, you can listen live to our Saturday broadcasts anywhere in the world by going to San Francisco 860 The Answer. This is Dan Hesse, and this is The Mentors Radio Show. And now... Back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. This is Dan Hesse, and I'm talking with the quarterback whisperer, Chiefs head coach, Andy Reid. So, uh, Andy, the words have fun were explicitly stated as part of the the sprint culture. It looks like the Chiefs have a lot of fun. You know, perhaps uh, Travis Kelsey's your CFO or, or chief fun officer from, from kind of looking at it from, from the outside. I've had this debate with business leaders, you know, how important is fun for a team to perform at its very best? Uh, listen, I think you, you've got to have, you have to have fun. I, I think fun can be written a couple, maybe the definition of it can be written a couple different ways in football. Fun is winning and we're in America here. Winning is important. That's what we're paid to do. Uh, there are a lot of good coaches that haven't had an opportunity to win for whatever situation it is and have had to move on. Uh, but 
fun is uh, achieving certain goals. You can break that all the way down to fun for me is teaching the player. To teach the player and to watch him achieve is fun. I, I enjoy that part. And and that keeps you driving. We've we've reached a lot of goals in in our stay here in Kansas City. So the opportunity to continue to grow is is important. I always put a word on the wall for the players. Uh, um, last year it was edge. I felt like the year before we had lost just a tick of our edge towards that last quarter of the season, which is uh, it's important to maintain it through that. But whether it was complacency, you know, whatever it was, we thought it was going to happen. Well, it doesn't, that's not what this is all about. So I, I've got four sayings I throw up on, they're, they're in the locker room. You, you've seen these. Uh, they sit at the uh, at the top of the locker room. I'm not going to tell you it's on the roof, on the ceiling, but it's close to, it's up in that area. Um, and, and it's uh, eliminate distractions, create energy, fear nothing, attack everything. And so you mentioned culture before that comes back to help build that culture part. Um, we, we all need to get rid of, we all have problems. So eliminate the, eliminate the distractions. When you're in here, eliminate the distractions, create energy. You're going to be an energy giver and energy taker. So, I mean, what are you going to, what are you going to be when you come to work? And then we all have fears, but you, you've got to, you've got to overcome that. You've got to fear. You have to fear nothing by being able to attack everything. If you put yourself in an attack mode as a complacent catch mode, I think you can attack things. Or you can you can eliminate some of these fears that, that we all have. And so we've kind of let that help with the culture that we have here. And I've heard players regurgitate that back in tough situations that they might have had. Those are good descriptions of, of your culture. Those are really cultural statements. Uh, thanks. So the Chiefs, you know, on-field leadership team is you and your coaching staff, but there's, you know, also the front office led by, you know, President Mark Donovan, who you've mentioned, you know, and your owner, Clark Hunt, you know, how important um, are, you know, the business or off the field activities to your success on the field? I think it's, I think it's important. You, <clears throat> everything kind of starts from the top and works its uh, way down. And um, I learned a long time ago that it doesn't matter if you're the garbage man or the um, um, or the CEO of the company. That there's got to be a direction. We all need to stop at red lights. We need to know how to do that, or or people get in trouble. So um, I, I feel that with our owner Clark Hunt um, and and his family that that they give us guidelines. I also know that my relationship with Mark Donovan is special. We were together at Philadelphia along with Brett Veach. And so we kind of know how each other operate. And we respect that. I know that he's doing uh, everything he can do to put the organization in a great position to, to achieve. And I feel the same way about Clark Hunt. I feel the same way about Brett Veach. So I think that unity there, um, and, and this, this is outside of the football field. This is outside of the classroom. This is before we ever get to the players that we've got to make sure we've got it together. So there's no gray area when you present it to players. These guys are smart guys, man. And mm-hmm. if there's a division in here, they're going to sense that division and division thus trickles down to the locker room. And once you have division in there, uh, you're toast. You're not going to go very far and you've got to keep that ship as tight as you possibly can. And, um, and, and make sure that uh, through communication, 
and and some common sense that we don't probably talk about enough through some common sense you, you just make sure that you're all on the same page it's um you know an analogy in business would be just the re- kind of the relationship between the board of directors and senior management middle management um uh that that's really helpful this is dan hesse and you are listening to the mentors radio show we are talking with kansas city chiefs head coach andy reed so I understand uh, you find plays, Andy, from places like college football games, like the one you used I read uh, in the Super Bowl against the 49ers. That was from the 1948 Rose Bowl, uh, which which worked really well. But you're considered an innovator and a play design genius. Um, was this talent or skill studied, uh, learned, or are you just gifted with X's and O's or is it a combo combo of all that? Well, when I had the great honor of playing for Lavelle Edwards and uh, um, in college, he was one of the first people in college football to really throw the ball and do it as his primary offense. And that was out of the box. I mean, a couple of years before that, they had led the nation at rushing. <clears throat> when I was in high school, we ran the Veer offense, which is an option game with a couple different backs in the backfield. And uh, we had great skill at my high school. And and um, and so guys, you know, they, they handled that. Completely different offenses. So I, I saw where you bring everything together. I also saw where you spread everything out on the football field and utilize the width of the field and, um, in a couple different ways. And, and so I, you get, I, I've kind of developed this thing, like who said it's impossible to do this? I think it's the same way in business. Who 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 made that rule to say you can't do something? Let's take a peek at it. And um, I mentioned that you have to stop at red lights, but there's a yellow light before that that gives you some freedom to make decisions. Well, let, let's take a look at that and see what we can what we can create. And and that gets everybody involved. It gets the coaches involved. It also gets the players involved. And and then whatever all of this technology we have. Uh, we're able to pull from that. Whether it's 1948, my high school coach gave me that tape as a gift. So I drew from there. My, one of my brother's high school coaches, same high school, um, was, was the quarterback for USC. So in the in this tape, so it was. I, it's uh, uh, everything kind of comes around. Everybody does it a little bit different, and um, you put it out there. Who says you can't do it? Oh, I tell you, as a Someone watching, it's, it's uh, you know, your creativity is, is really, really fun to watch. Very entertaining. We'll be back in a few minutes with our guest mentor, Andy Reid. This is Dan Hesse, and this is the Mentors Radio Show. And now, back to the Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. This is Dan Hesse, and I'm talking with Andy Reid of the defending Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs. So, Andy, the the mark of a great mentor is the success of those they've mentored. And I believe it's 11 of those coaches who have worked for you eventually became head coaches in the NFL. Um, How do you, number one, spot talent? And number two, for somebody who is as kind of hands-on and detailed as you, how do you delegate and let go so those under you kind of develop the capacity and confidence to be able to lead at the next level? 
Yeah, so a um, couple words of advice my old head football coach at college gave me was try to surround yourself with people that are as smart or smarter than you are. And that, when you really think about that, you're, you're, you're basically checking your ego at the door and you're hiring the best people. And, and so you don't get caught up in, wow, this guy's too smart. He's going to cramp my style. No, uh, you can set the guidelines with that, um, knowing that we're here to teach. We're here to teach the players. We're also here to teach each other. And so um, I've kind of gone on that principle when, when I'm hiring people. I'm going to look for smart people that have communication skills. Um, I, I believe firmly if you communicate and teach, um, then it really doesn't matter necessarily the position you're working with. Uh, you, you'll become an expert at it because you're working hard and, and you're being honest doing it. So I, I think if, if you can kind of put those, those little cues into, into play, then you have, you have somebody uh, that, that can achieve. And uh, I've, I've really based, that's how I've based my, my hiring. Well, it's got to give you a great sense of satisfaction to, to see how well, how well they've done. Um, I'm, you know, I mentioned culture earlier, but strategy and motivation are also kind of crucial to success in business. Only two teams in history have come back from double digit deficits in the Super Bowl to win, one being this year's Super Bowl in, in Arizona. Um, what strategy adjustments did you make at halftime, you know, if any? And what did you halftime yeah so halftime um in super bowl is like 29 minutes long i mean it takes takes forever uh which was a good thing it allowed pat's ankle to kind of heal up a little bit and then we break it down so we're breaking it down into increments where the players are on uh they're where they get in they're off and then they're on with the coaches then they're off again to do what they need to do and then they're back on uh with us and then a final stretch and then they go out for uh, for the second half, with that, I uh, as far as a strategy part goes, um, I was able to gather up with the coaches, talk to them, and just see where we needed to go. I just felt in my heart that we were off by just a tick. It wasn't necessarily what we were doing, as much as we were just off. We needed to settle down, and I felt like if we did that, we'd be able to get ourselves right back in the game. I've got great leaders in the on the team and in that locker room. So the leaders were stepping up and talking on the defensive side, on the offensive side. They were all talking, let's go. We need to go get going. We need to get going. And, and uh, it can get a bit volatile I mean, where it's loud um, as they're driving their point home. Uh, I was able to come out and just kind of go, okay, but we're in a good place. Uh, we're just, we're off by a tick. And we can do all the screaming and yelling we want to do. Let's just focus on our job right here. Let's get back to the basics, focus on our job, I think everything's going to work out. Ten points is nothing. Not not with the way the offense plays and when the defense cranks it up. We get both those guys, that, those groups going, along with special teams was doing okay at the time. As long as we get both those groups going, good things are going to happen. Evidently, special teams help us win the game uh, with, the, with the punt return. So um, it, it, uh, everybody, I thought, just lifted their job up and, and did a little bit better. Yeah, you know, you mentioned – you know, not not yelling. My first two guests were Admiral uh, Mullen and Admiral Allen, and they both talked about crisis leadership. And they said the best leaders in time of crisis are kind of calm and confident. 
and supportive. Uh, and that's really the, the, the key to, uh, you know, to, to, to leading during, you know, dur during crises. Sure. This, this is Dan Hesse. You are listening to the Mentors Radio Show, and we are with coaching icon Andy Reid. So, Andy, how do you define success? Yeah, so, again, I think this has different levels to it. Um, uh, success for me might be different than success for somebody else, obviously, so in the same profession. Uh, success for me is when I can teach, um, I mentioned this earlier, when I can teach somebody uh, a point, giving them something to, to make their career either longer or better, and then watching them go achieve this and, and making it happen in the field of battle, as we would say, uh, nothing like what you're talking about with, with the military, but still uh, the, the battle that we have is against our opponent. So but making that happen. And so teaching becomes a, a big thing um, for me to feel success in what I'm doing. I've also got the other side of it off the field. So I'm a grandpa of 11, 12 coming up here and mm -hmm. um, I've had five kids. And so uh, highs and lows for all of those, right? I mean, you, you end up with that as a lot of us do. And then, um, but working through that to be able to teach the, the, the fellows that I coach, uh, uh, the other side of this thing, the family side of it and how important that is. That's interesting. The kind of the teaching element of, uh, of your definition of success. So, you know, a lot of people who are pretty successful, you know, aren't, aren't very happy with, you know, with their success or don't seem to be, um, how do you define happiness? Yeah, Dan. So I listen. I love every day that I have an opportunity to come to work, I, even during the tough times. And I, you know, we've had all had these tough times, but I've enjoyed that that the whole process. I, I love coming to work with a challenge, and um, and and your work's never done. Probably like being a farmer. I mean, your work's never done, but I love it. I, I've I've watched family members that didn't love what they were doing. Uh, but did it because it was an income for them and their families. Um, I, and they, I say, I, I, I didn't ever want to do that. I mean, I wanted to go, go find something that I could be fired up to do every day. And I've had that throughout my uh, 25 years as a head coach and then uh, how many every years as an assistant coach before that. So uh, I, and I still have that, that desire. So um uh, that's what I'd tell you. Yeah, you know, I've I've talked to a lot of young people, and actually, my last guest, we talked about this a little bit, which is how important it is to love what you do, because that is really crucial to your happiness. And if you're if you really love your job, you're probably going to be pretty darn good at it too, like uh, right. like like you are. So, um, where do you find your strength, you know, to bounce back after tragedy or disappointment? Yeah, so uh, this is part of life. I. I think I've got a good foundation that I can bank on with uh, my religion. Uh, as many people have religion, I've got that to to balance me out. I know their highs, their lows. Um, I always tell our players, I said, listen, let my weakness cover up your strength and your strength cover up my weakness. And then we're a team together. I'd say that probably about life um, with your relationship with whoever that higher power is um th that can be your foundation and then let me 
let me bank on that through the good time and the bad time and keep myself grounded. And, and then good family also uh, helps with that too. So uh, communication with the, with that crew. We'll be back in a few minutes with our guest mentor, Andy Reed. You'll find all of our show notes and links at thementorsradio.com. When you're there, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any of our shows. This is Dan Hesse, and this is The Mentors Radio Show. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. This is Dan Hesse, and I'm with guest mentor, Super Bowl champion, Andy Reid. So I'm looking at you on Zoom here, Andy, and you're wearing a red Tommy Bahama Chiefs Hawaiian shirt. I'm getting ready to go to Hawaii for a wedding and I'm, you know, I'm packing my Hawaiian shirts. I want to sport the full Andy when I'm, when I'm there, where did you get your love for Hawaiian shirts? Kind of a funny story. So the, um, the CEO of one of the major TV stations that did the NFL way back when, um, brought me, uh, had one of his guys bring me a Tommy Bahama shirt from the fellow lived in Hawaii. So he brought me this Tommy Bahama shirt and I put that son of a gun on. I go, this is the ultimate big guy attire. I mean, it's phenomenal. So uh, there's nothing worse than being kind of one of the chubby guys and having things stick to you. You're not into that. You're not into white uniforms and you're not into uh, tight clothes. Those are, those are two things. So when you see our team dressed in white, all white, you'll know that those offensive linemen are going, oh my gosh, it shows every, every ripple, <laughs> you know, and wrinkle that I've got. So, um, but that's, uh, that's when it started. And I've, I think I've got about every Tommy Bahama shirt there is, and they've got pants and shorts and shoot. I've got it all. So I, I, I love their attire. Oh, that's great. Well, they become you. Um, but I think that part of leading well, uh, Andy, is listening to those around you, listening to Tim, you know, team members, listening to other coaches. I read, I don't know if it's true, but, you know, in the Super Bowl against the 49ers, the 49ers pass rush was tough. You know, they had Bosa and they were pressuring Patrick. And it's an important part of, of the game. And you have a third and 15. And Patrick talks you into this play. I think it was 23 Jet Wasp or something, if I remember yeah, correctly, sure. something like that, like yeah. that, which required a lot of time to open up. Um, and of course, that you know went for I think 44 yards and really kind of set the stage for the Chiefs turnaround. You know, you're the key play caller, the, the and of course, it's a really important time when. When and how do you decide to listen to others, and when do you say no? I, you know, I'm, I'm going to use my gut. Yeah, sure. So Pat and I had talked about that play for about three series before that play happened, and I kept saying, "Man, I'll, I'll tell you, the the pass rush is still alive." So there's a point in the game when those guys slow down, and um, and they were getting to that point uh, when Pat asked that question, and um, has it slowed down enough, and. And so I felt like it had, I said, let's go with it. And normally, you know, you and I talked about this just a, a little bit earlier, but with the quarterback position, um, like the love of myself for my job or the love you have for your job and had always had for your job, 
that um, if a quarterback loves something, loves a play, they're going to make that play happen. So, Pat, that's a seven-step drop or five from the shotgun position, um, seven steps from under. So, Pat takes nine steps on this thing, nine steps from the gun. In other words, he's running backwards. He's told um, Tyreek to just keep running. The corner just happened to bite on it just perfect, and we are able to get over the top on an angle route on him. And, and Pat slung that thing. So he added a little mojo to that thing by doing his drop and, and a great coaching point to, uh, to Tyreek. All in all, Eric Bieniemy, who you heard talked to, who Pat asked that question to, who was on the headset with me, myself and Pat, we were all on the same page. There wasn't a flinch. We trusted each other and we went with it. And I tell you, all the players on that side, on the offensive side and coaches uh, all were on board and nobody flinched and we were able to do it in the biggest time of the game being on the same page. That's what I think is uh, the neat part about that. Well, I was at the stadium and it was, uh, it was, it was such a wonderful moment. I, I read that Patrick also talked you into doing the state farm ad with him. He thought you were a natural at comedy. I have to agree. I think the ads are great. I did 10 TV commercials and you're a lot better than, than, than me. Are you thinking about a future in comedy or TV? Oh my goodness. My goodness. I, I, I don't think I'm going to stick to my day job, <laughs> um, but listen, it was fun. It was great to do it with Patrick. He, he's done a great job with uh, his uh, business ventures off the field. And I'm, I'm glad he, he asked me to do that. Well, thanks for joining us, Andy. Um, you're one of the great mentors to coaches and players. And those who have listened to our conversation understand why you're so well-liked and respected throughout the NFL. Please go to thementorsradio.com for show notes and other resources. You can also listen to us online on any device at any time on any podcast platform like Apple, Google, Stitcher, TuneIn, or Spotify. Join us next week at the same time for another edition of The Mentors Radio. Till then, this is Dan Hesse signing off. Remember, we're never too informed or experienced to stop learning. It's been The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. To get more information about the program or a sponsor, to download a podcast of today's show, or to leave a question for our host, go to TheMentorsRadio.com. That's www.thementorsradio.com. The preceding program, copyright CBJ, LLC. All rights reserved.